I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think it would be to relax a bit more because I was always, and still am, I'm a workaholic. I'm a self-confessed workaholic. There's, there's no question about that. So I should really tell myself that now at this age, just relax a bit. <laughs> the five um, minute ago you. Is what yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just take a day off. Um, but I think I, I was always really quite anxious about doing well in school and, and, and doing well in my career. And to be fair, that has brought me to a point in both of my careers that to, to, to be successful. Um, so I think maybe I won't say relax a bit. I'll say just enjoy it because I always move my goalposts. I want to get a, an agent. I get an agent. I want a book deal. I get a book deal. I, and then it's just just enjoy the success of what of the goal that you reached at least for five minutes before you set yourself a new one that's what i would go back and say just just tone it down a notch good day good people my name is brad king and you are listening to the downtown riders jam after party this is our first show with a new format this is our short form so we used to do these video podcasts now we're going to do this, which I'm very excited about. We are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker today with one of my favorite people, Hannah Mary McKinnon. Her book, Never Coming Home, I started reading. I don't normally read books before I interview people, but I couldn't wait. And it's fantastic. She, was, she sent me a couple notes before I started and was like, oh, I can't wait for you to meet Lucas, which is the main character of the book. If her name sounds familiar... It's because this is her third time on the program. We did the long-form interview in episode 66. Find out all about her life. She was our sixth video interview. 
and now she's our first after party interview. So if I had a jacket or an award, she would get it. She's our first three time guest. So here's the format of the show since it's new. I got 10 questions that I ask and uh, the authors get them ahead of time. Five of them are about writing. Five of them are about them. And then we have a conversation. Now, thankfully for you, I have taken a lot of my answers out because it really is a conversation. If you listen to any of these shows, you know, I don't fucking do anything the way regular people do it. So it's a Q&A, but not really a Q&A. And uh, I had to edit out like 45 minutes of it because she and I, we literally talked for three hours. She's so interesting. She's a gifted storyteller. Her books are fantastic. This show, these answers, they're going to knock your socks off. They are funny. They are sad. Um, they are everything you want stories to be. So I'm really excited for you to, to hear this and for uh, you guys to hear many more of these after parties. Before we get to that, as you know, a little bit of business. We are part of the Solid Listen Podcast Network. The Jam Proper comes out every Wednesday, our hour-long show. Uh, we need you to do a couple things to help us out, both with the Jam with the after party and our other new show jam sessions tell your friends about us they're all released on the same channel so you only got to subscribe one time and you can hear some of your favorite authors and it helps us spread the word if you spread the word for us the other thing is head on over to apple Podcasts and leave us a review if you don't have a iphone or an ipad head on over to facebook the writer's jam click on that review section and leave us a review there if you're at our website, you can read book reviews, sign up for our newsletter. You can buy any of the books of people that we've had on the program. You can sign up for $4.99 for our Apple subscription service for the entire Solid Listen network. There's 12 shows, $4.99 a month. You get the shows ahead of time, commercial free, all that stuff. You can also support the whole network by clicking on the Patreon button. You get commercial free episodes and bonus content and all that kind of good stuff for just a couple bucks a month. But I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation with Hannah. And honestly, go buy the book. Never Coming Home is it's just fantastic. The only reason I put it down is because I have to do things with my job. Otherwise, I'd be done with it. Uh, it'll be done by the time you hear this show. And I'm recording this on Thursday. So, without too much more, I appreciate you stopping by the bunker to spend some time with us. Now, I hope you will sit back and enjoy my conversation with Hannah Mary McKinnon. Why do you write? I write, I think, for, for, for two reasons. Because this, this is my second career, right? It's not something I came yeah. to. It's not something that I hear people saying, oh, I wanted to. I knew I wanted to be a writer since I was 10 years old or whatever. No, that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me. Um, I write because it brings me immense joy because I want to entertain others. And because when I don't write, I have this compulsion to write. It's really odd. So I finished a book, um, a book for next year, and I wrote it really quickly. And I said to Rob, oh, I'm so glad it's done. Now, now I get to relax. And two days later, two days later, I said, I can't wait to write, write the next one. He just shakes his head and laughs. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a combination of things, but it's just something that I 
that I absolutely love doing. Um, and also because 10 years ago or so, I decided I wanted to be an author, a traditionally published author. I set myself on this on this route and six books are published, um, two in the work, three, another three in the works. And I'm I feel like I'm just getting started, really. So um, I'm really thrilled to, to have chosen this second career. That's amazing to find. We, I talk about it on the show all the time, like when you find your voice as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think that's the people talk about. That's why we don't talk about craft and shit on the show, because I'm like, eh, craft is craft. Craft is the work. Nobody wants to talk about the work of writing. But finding the voice, finding the slot where you're like, I have stories to tell. Yes. Something happens inside of you where, right, it the does. words, you just can't get them out fast enough. because Yeah. yeah. It, and it's the same with each with each book, you know, an idea hits and then you think, oh, I've got to write this story. And then you either plot or you don't. And it, you know, every process is different. Um, and then for me, when the magic, the magic happens when I've when I'm editing, you know, and, and the voice or sometimes the magic happens even before that with never coming home. Um, Lucas's voice, it was almost as if when I thought of his character, he walked up to me, sat down and said, go on tell my story you know you know who I am you know what I'm like go on go on I dare you tell my story and that is just it's just it's not I'd be lying if I said every day is magical and unicorns and it's super and splendid it's not it's it's a job and sometimes it's it's work sometimes it's great it's work right but it is I love I truly love what I do Uh, I love being an IT recruitment in my career before I love that um, but I truly, truly love writing stories. I get such a kick out of creating a new world. And I don't mean a fantastical world. I don't write fantasy. I write thrillers. But um, I mean, creating a new environment and new characters and, and, and having stuff, good and bad, happen to these characters is just, it's just fun. It's fun. Yeah. I love it. I really do. Well, and like when you sent me the text or tweet or whatever and we're like you know i can't wait for you to meet lucas like yeah. that like the main character of this book yeah. i'm like that's what i mean like when i say you found like you hit that voice and you've hit it and you're like oh yeah like i want you to like i want you to meet this story i want you to yes. meet this person that i have yeah and i want you I to, want go you to meet lucas but i'm just glad he's not real yeah yeah i feel that way about a lot of the characters in your books like um yeah like <laughs> Um, but like that's a gift man and like that's the it's you know it's also why I don't review books because I'm like that's reviewing stuff feels weird to me because as an author it's like look here's the review like you found your voice and I know when I pick the book up it's going to be a good it's going to be a good Hannah book right because I and I I don't know how it's going to end I don't you know I don't know the plot I'm not like oh it's going to be this it is just I know the ride I'm about to go on right and I grew up around storytellers at the campfire, right? And like when Cliff Hotel told a story, I mean, when Charlie told a story, I wanted to fucking be there. You, you know? just wanted to listen. Yeah. yeah. I don't care where it's going. I don't care how it ends. Like, yeah, just do this. And that's like, I think when an author finds that voice, it's yes. that, right? It's like, oh yeah, I know I can do this. And I know it's going to be a good tale that people are going to get excited. Oh, about. absolutely. You know, when yeah. I pick up a book and I read, say the, the first few pages um and then I, I just think okay i'm in yeah. let's go and there's it's just there's something magical about that too it, right? yeah like it's you, magic 
Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful. All right. So what is the question or statement that people say to you about writing? Since you're an author, people always have thoughts that drives you crazy. And what do you say to them? But what would you really like to say? (laughs) (laughs) One one thing that I can't say drives me crazy, but it it always catches me unaware is when people say, oh, who have you cast in in the movie in your head? If your book was to be made into a movie, who would play the lead roles? And I always panic at that question because um, honestly, when I when I plot my books, I don't I don't plot them with actors in mind ever. Yeah, I find that really distracting because um, actors are people. <laughs> they're real. And they, yeah, and they're real, and they play roles. So it it just it just doesn't work for me. I have to have I do a photo gallery of my characters, but they're they're pictures. Of, generally, I Google hairstyles, and they're people I have no idea who they are because I want them to become my characters. I don't want yeah. it to be. George Clooney playing X, you know, it, so that really, that really um, foxes me. So sometimes I just, I, sometimes I say, oh, uh, this person, I'm also not very good with celebrity names at all. I am, I'm really, really rubbish at that, apart from the, the big, massive yeah. stars. I, I feel I, like George Clooney is the one you know, and then nobody else. Right, yeah, <laughs> and the Brad Pitts and the Angelina yeah. Jolies, you know, yeah. but otherwise I'm, I'm really, really rubbish with, with actors' names. Um, so what I would like to say to them is, please don't ask me that question or give me a 10 minute warning so I can go and Google some people yeah. other than hairstyles. That would be that would be really handy. Um, so that one, it doesn't drive me crazy, but it catches me unaware. Yeah. Um, it's strange. I- I've seen on like Instagram and TikTok now people will like that's a thing that people will do like they'll in the review they're like i've casted who i think would yeah, these people I've, I've seen that and i i have actually enjoyed that when people have done that for for my books i thought that that's really fun and then i go and look up the people i think oh yeah excellent excellent choices yeah Brilliant. but it has to come after it has to come out it cannot yeah. come when i'm writing a book definitely definitely not but i know yeah. there are some people some authors who do write with actors in mind really but, yeah, they do. Yeah. And it helps them. It, it just helps them um, with the way the people, the That's characters their character sketch. That's yeah. The, yeah. But imagine if I said, you know, somebody said, oh, okay, Hannah, who would you, who would you cast as Lucas? And I give the name of uh, actor A and then actor B is reading the book and thinks, oh, this is a really good book, but sees that I would like actor A to play the, have I jinxed it now? You know, and they just say, oh, I'm never going to be in this. I'd be second choice anyway. You know, it was just. That would be a high class problem, as my old (laughs) wife used to call it. Oh, I didn't get the second actor in my book that's been made into a movie. (laughs) I guess, yeah, my diamond shoes are too tight here. But that's like, but I totally get it. Like, because when I write, and I do nonfiction, but there's like a movie in my head. Like mm, yes. I can, like it's a living, like when I'm, yeah. even when I'm writing essays, like when I like, and so putting George Clooney in there, uh, that'd be weird to me. That would be- honestly, I can't have George Clooney staring down at me from my pin board all day anyway. I'm never going to get anything done. Let's be reasonable here. <laughs> so every writer has that one review, right? Like yes. there's that one that's right there. What's yours? Good or bad? I did not ask that. We're going to learn a thing about you with this answer. <laughs> oh, sneaky. Okay. So, you know, what was really lovely on a, on a, a good review was 
a piece that was in the newspaper in Switzerland, in my, in my hometown in Switzerland, in Interlaken, in German, when I was there a few years ago, um, her secret son had come out and I went to a local bookshop because uh, they happened to have, a friend of mine said, your book is in the local bookshop, which was really weird because they have a really tiny English section and, and it happened to be in there. So I went in and they said, oh, let's do an event together. So we did an English speaking event. I do speak German, but we did an English speaking event and the local newspaper came and they did a full page article in German on me in the book. And it was it was it was so sweet. It was it was really cool considering none of my books until Never Coming Home, which has been bought for Germany, have actually been published in German. Okay. So that was really, that was really lovely. Um, my little hometown in and that was really, really sweet. So that was my, that was probably my favorite um, good review story. It was just lovely. Yeah. And my, my favorite. This is the but. This is the but. Like, here's a good thing, but, but there's this other but. thing. Yeah. My favorite bad review was for the neighbors. And I happen to see it. I don't generally read bad reviews. And, and for anyone listening, please don't tag authors in bad reviews. We know where to find them if we want to go and, you know, beat ourselves up. Um, we know where to, to get them. So please don't tag us. But I happened to see this one really by accident. And the lady had read The Neighbours and she was not happy. She was not happy there was adultery in there. Ooh, spoiler alert. Actually, not really. Um, she said that the... Two of the characters needed to go and see a shrink. Uh, two of the other characters needed their heads banging together. And the other two characters needed to wake up and realize that their partners were basically a-holes. And it was a one-star review. So she really, really, really did not like the book. But I actually really appreciated her review because it was so intense. It was written in a way that she... It felt like she thought these characters were real. Yeah. Which meant I had actually done my job properly because she hated them so much. Yeah. So I didn't feel bad about the review. The bad, the reviews I, I, that make me go, oh, no, are the ones that are just three letters. Meh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of love. That's right. Yeah. It's different. Meh. meh. Yeah. Um, but this up, uh, this one star, it, although it was terrible, it was so bad. It was, it was almost good, you know? Yeah. I always love the review question because it reveals the not asking for positive or negative reveals so much about authors. <laughs> <laughs> almost all of them were like, here's the bad one. So I oh. love the fact that you started with in your hometown is there's something I did three events in my hometown when my book came out, mm -hmm. you know, they, 20 people came out. It wasn't a big, it was friends and stuff. That was the, that's the thing to this day that I remember. Yeah. It's being just in lovely. my hometown. It's like, yeah. oh shit, I made it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it was, it was lovely. It really was. I'd tell you another, another one of my favorite reviews um, was actually for never coming home. And it was my 17 year old who walked downstairs and he said, when are you going to write a sequel? I need a sequel. <laughs> this is, the, the, and he said, and I quote, this is the best book I have read. Now, granted, he's 17. He hasn't read, <laughs> you know, hundreds of thousands of books. But that was just, I'm now inoculated against bad reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was your best writing epiphany? Mm -hmm. And how did it come about? I was in a workshop um, as an attendee, not speaking. And somebody said 
two things. They said, you're, if you're stuck, but you know what happens in the scene later, further down the road, or even the end, skip ahead. Because nobody said a book needs to be written in the order that it's read. And that was really eye-opening to me. I thought, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know, why didn't I think of that? Um, and it makes so much sense. And the other thing was I kept hearing about this, uh, write a shitty first draft, write a shitty first draft, write a shitty first draft. And I thought, how can I write a crappy first draft? How can I bring, how can I allow myself to do that? Until I realized that what they actually meant was write a crappy first draft that nobody else will ever see and then edit the crap out of it and then call that your first draft. So I don't call my first draft my first draft anymore. I call it a skeleton draft because it's bare bones and things are missing and things are in the wrong place. And, you know, there's no meat on the bones and all that. There's no sparkle yet. But I write that as fast as I can. And then I go back and edit. And then I edit and I edit and I layer. And then once I'm happy with it, or my deadline has arrived, whichever comes first, I it will go to my editor. Um, and I did not understand that. I just kept thinking, how can I, how can I deliver a crap first draft to anyone? I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, the answer is you don't need to. It's yeah. just for you. Write the first draft, the first skeleton draft, the first version, whatever you want to call it just for you. This is the follow-up then to that. So what does it mean to be a writer? Like when you think about that, what does it mean? When you say I'm a writer, what does it mean to be a writer? For me, um, for me, it means, it, it means, it goes back to making people happy. It means reading my work. You know, some people will say, oh, if you're not, if you're not a published author, you're not a writer. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's fair. I think there are lots and lots of people who are excellent, excellent writers who have not had a book published yet, or maybe don't want to, you know, maybe they just write for themselves or for their friends and family. Um, but for me specifically, uh, I always wanted to be, not always, <laughs> not when I was 10. When I, when I decided I was going to go embark on this career, it was always traditionally published with a, uh, a larger house, if possible, and, and, and book deals. Um, I think it's actually only recently, and this goes back to not being able to take compliments and stuff that we've, that we've talked about. <laughs> uh, it took me a while, a long while, when people would ask me, um, the classic question, you know, oh, and what do you do for a living? I don't know why I put on a posh accent when I asked that. I have no idea. Um, what do you? Because you want to murder them. <laughs> <laughs> I've read your books. I know why. Maybe a little bit. Um, I would. I would. I would all I, for a long time. I would say, well, I used to be the CEO of an IT recruitment company, but now I write books, and that was just ego. That was just that was just me not still holding on to that status, really, and just let it go. Just let, you don't do that anymore. So stop stop saying that that's your job or was your job. It's not important. Nobody cares. So now when somebody says, oh, what do you do? I say, oh, I, I'm, I'm an author. Um, and I wasn't able to say that, I think, probably until I had I think it was when Sister Dear came out probably two years ago. That was such a good book. Thank you. Um, but I think for anyone out there listening who, who doesn't have a book published or yet, either because they don't haven't or don't want to or whatever the situation is, if you're writing to to be a writer means you're writing something <laughs> you know? yeah. nonfiction fiction. It, it, 
something that creative that makes you happy. Yeah. And other people happy too, potentially. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to do the second part of this. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So normally we have a long discussion in between what we just did and what we didn't, but we talked for an hour and 20 minutes before, so there was no reason to build that in. So literally, it was an eight-second break that you experienced in real time what the break was. All right, so the second part is about you. Um, and this sort of actually gets to what we talked about at the top of the show. What makes you the happiest? What makes me the happiest? Actually, I just got back from a, a trip to Switzerland uh, to see my dad. And it was the first time I saw him in almost three years. Oh, wow. Um, and the first time I saw him after my mom passed two years ago. Oh. Um, so that was that was really, that was emotional because going into... Going into their apartment and my mom not being there was really odd. It was just, it was just weird. And I kept expecting, you know what it's like. You yeah. keep, keep expecting them to walk into the room or something. So that was that was odd. Um, so being with my being with my family, um, being in the mountains with my family is an added bonus. You know what I mean? <laughs> But there's one thing that we do. Our kids are older, you know, they're, they're, they're getting older. They're 17 and, and almost 19. And generally at nine o'clock, we assemble and we watch a movie or play a board game or do something together. So it'd be Rob, my husband, and the three of us together, uh, and maybe just for an hour or whatever. And I was, we were watching a movie the other night. I had no idea what it was, but that, that's not, that's not really relevant. That's we not watching, what makes you happiest. No, it, yeah. it wasn't. But it was just, I looked at them. I looked over and I thought, this is really cool. Now, this is my, my 
happy place where it's the, the five, it doesn't matter what we're doing, but we just, we just have an hour together. Yeah. Um, and we just hang out and we might chat, we might not. It's easy, it's uncomplicated. Um, so that, that really makes me happy. It, my dad used to say he always wanted home to be home base. He's like, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what yeah. you've done, no matter yeah. what trouble you're in, yes, I want you to know, I'm gonna cry. Uh, when you're here, you say, yeah, nothing else yeah. matters. And that's right. I may not like what you've done. I may disagree with what you've done, but that will not be what's here. Yes. And I just yes. thought of all the gifts to have. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a yeah. Yeah. I just want them to feel the same, the same way that, that no matter what happens, no matter that, that it, you know, have I always been the perfect mom and, and, and maintain that role? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just I want them to I want them to never be afraid when they come home, you know, because mm -hmm. of whatever has happened. I just want them to be happy. So I'm going to challenge you on that because that is the perfect mom. Like nobody's going to be perfect on every. Every day. Yeah, but we don't judge it. You're looking at the weather and they're looking at climate, right? Like, yes, you can have bad days and that doesn't change the fact. That's true. right. And yeah. like I hear parents too oftentimes say. Oh, well, you know, I've had bad moments. Like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. You're a person. Yeah, of and yeah, kids are assholes. So maybe that bad moment was uh, justified. <gasps> not mine. Mine are <laughs> perfect, Brad. What are you talking about? <laughs> so in your adult life, what are the most profound ways that you have changed? Gosh, that was a, that was a really hard question. So, I mean, motherhood, of course, um, changes you for sure. Um, I think coming to Canada is something that changed me quite significantly in the sense that twofold if we hadn't come to Canada I wouldn't have started my own business it wouldn't have failed and I wouldn't have um, become an author you know because my writing career was born from failure that wouldn't have happened but I think that actually um, Canada is quite an extraordinary place it has its own issues and everything of course but by coming to North America, I became much more aware of things that were happening in the world in terms of, well, racism, for example. I mean, I was kind of, I mean, I was, of course I was aware of that in Switzerland, but, but not, I didn't see it as much, you know? And coming to Canada, I, I saw that a lot more. And coming to Canada as an immigrant, yet a privileged immigrant because I'm white and I'm English and somebody once said to me at a supermarket whom I didn't know um oh you're the kind of immigrant we like which just Ooh. made me go what yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about so yeah that was an interesting <clears throat> two minute conversation until they backed away it was it was gross yeah it was, it was really gross I know exactly what they look like too I bet yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I think, honestly, I, I'm really grateful to Canada for, for, for making the choice to come to Canada for many things. And that is that is one of them. Um, I think it has broadened my horizons and increased my understanding of um, the struggles um, non-white and the challenges non-white people face on a daily basis that I just wasn't wasn't really aware of, I think. And certainly not to the extent I am now. Yeah. And you all missed an hour conversation where we were talking about that. 
<laughs> like not not you, but like just the sort of problems that that causes in the world when people yeah. have the privilege to be unaware. Yes. And so tell me a time like somebody, parent, mentor, friend influenced your life. Like when you look back and you say, ah, that was a moment. Tell me one of those moments. Um, one of the, <laughs> this is the, I'm going to try not to cry telling this story because um, it's not it's not a feel good story. It was a friend who I met at work uh, in 1992 and we just became best friends. Um, we hit it off at work and we became absolute best friends. He was a great guy, super funny, just really nice. Never anything romantic. It just wasn't that kind of relationship. It was just more like brother and sister. Yeah. Fantastic. Really, really good guy. Um, salt of the earth. And then one morning um, I went to work and I knew that he, he'd taken a day off. He was supposed to be back at the office. And I learned he'd been murdered. Actually, oh, I didn't learn he'd been murdered at that point. Um, there was a thing on the radio about uh, uh, um, a discovery of bodies, um, multiple dozens of bodies and a cult and a, a uh, mass suicide. And I remember thinking that, thinking, <laughs> talking about broadening your horizons, thinking, oh, wow, okay, well, I guess if that was their choice, that'd be their choice, right? Bit weird, but okay. And my, I got to work looking forward to seeing, to seeing my friend and um, my boss called me into his office and he said, did you know that, we'll call him Tom, I always call him Tom, um, did you know that Tom's dad was a cult leader? And I laughed. I actually laughed because it was the most preposterous, ridiculous thing that you could ever say. I was like, what are you talking about? No, what are you talking about the thing I heard on the radio? And he said, yeah. His dad was a cult leader, and basically, they—it uh, was a—it was a mass suicide, but for many, it was murder, uh, including for Tom. His dad actually killed him and left him, put him in a house, and set it on fire and left him alone to die. And um, we didn't right. know that for a long time. So, well, for about a week, it wasn't—it wasn't until a week later that that um, they identified his body through dental records because there wasn't really much else left. So. That was, I only knew him for two and a half years, I think. Two and a half, no. Was it two and a half years? I guess it must have been. About two and a half years. And this was almost 30 years ago that he died. It would be 30 years ago now that, that I met him and 28 years or so that he died. And he had a massive impact on my life. That was a, one of the most traumatic things I've ever been through. Uh, we went to, we had to go and identify bodies, um, oh. thankfully only pictures, but, of you know, child corpses, it was not exactly very nice. And there were a lot of them because um, there were 48 odd people who died in total, I think, that day. Um, and it's just one of these things that when I, when I think back, when I look back at that, I was only 23 when that happened. And it was really shocking. It was it was awful. No social media back then. So I guess we were insulated a little bit at least because it but it was still all over the news. That was horrendous. And you know what? Because of that, I did not read thrillers again for almost 20 years. I just couldn't I just couldn't read about stuff where people hurt people. I couldn't I couldn't do it. So I was reading a lot of rom-coms. And then I read Jennifer Hillier's book, Creep, completely by accident at the library. Hadn't, I didn't know her at that point. We'd never met. 
we're now actually really close friends. And I remember reading that book and thinking, that's what I want to write. I want to write stuff where I can do bad stuff to bad people and set things straight. I will never write about a cult. I don't think. I played with the idea recently of whether I should, because I think I would have a rather unique perspective. Not that I've ever been in one, but I've been exposed to one in that sense, you know, that my best friend, um, um, who had got out of the cult, I hasten to add, he was out of the cult and his dad just, he was the whistleblower. Yeah, I know, I can't, I, I, I just, I can't read stories about, I'm just not there yeah. yet, even almost 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So that, that, that there've been two, two events that have really um, shocked me. That was one of them. And then the other one was my mum in 2017, having an, a very banal accident, falling in a driveway and ending up quadriplegic for, the rest of her three and a half years on this earth so those are the two events that just really really shocked me and I don't think about them all too often because when I do it hurts so yeah. I compartmentalize an awful lot so here's the therapy part of this mm. do, do you find it interesting that you went to rom-coms and you started writing rom-coms mm -hmm. until you're do you think you healed enough and you came across this thing? Cause you said it right to do bad things to bad people to set stuff. Right. Yeah. Like I think a lot of, I think a lot of what we do as writers, you're always, everything is about your life and none of it's about your life. Right. Like that's the easiest way I can describe it to people. Right. It's like, none of this is real, but it yes. all comes from the well of something that I've experienced and I'm trying to figure out this question or whatever. Do you think that it, it, to me, it sort of makes sense that you would gravitate to thrillers, that that would be where your voice is. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and because I, I truly loved them when I was a teen, that was really all I read. Um, I absolutely loved them. And when I remember when I was writing The Neighbours and it felt after the rom-com and it felt darker and grittier and more. This is the adultery one. And I just thought, you know, I, I really I. I'd read Jenny's book and I wanted to push it to, to the darker side. And I was asked by Crime Reads if I would write a piece for them. And for whatever reason, I guess I was ready because I yeah. don't really talk about the whole cult thing very often. Um, and I had never talked about it publicly or really privately that much until that point. This was in 20, must have been 2018 because that's when The Neighbours released. And I wrote about the thing I will never write about. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is, this is the story. It was only oh, a thousand words or whatever. Um, and I wrote it and it was really emotional to do. And I decided that I needed some answers to some of the stuff because we never really, we will never really know what happened. You know, I know he was drugged. I don't know if he knew what was happening to him. We will never, we will never know right. if he was ever aware of what yeah. was going on. We'll never know that. And that's, that's again, something I, don't, I try not to think about too much. But I did contact the cops, the cops who took on the case. And I said, this is, this is who I am. You know, I'd come to identify bodies. I, I highly doubt anyone remembers me because it's so long ago, but these are some questions that I have and can you answer them? And the email was sent to the, one of the people who worked the case, who was retiring the next day. How's that for coincidence? And he gave me some answers. And since then, I've been able to deal with it. It still hurts like hell. I mean, who am I kidding? It was awful and traumatic and yeah. terrible and, and unfair and all, all the above. 
Um, but at least I, I felt like I was able to deal with it. I didn't, I, I, you know, it, yes, I still compartmentalize and show sure. it all in a box, but I can actually take the lid off and examine what's inside without freaking out completely now. Um, so yes, I think you're right. I think there is, <laughs> I, I, I don't, so in Never Coming Home, Lucas hires a hitman to, <laughs> to get rid of his wife. I have no aspirations to do that. Yeah. Just let's let's be very clear that that yeah. no, that is certainly not something I've I've ever thought of. My grandmother used to say she'd often thought of murder but never considered divorce. So maybe that's what yeah. was the kicker with that one. But yeah, um, but it makes yeah. sense that like you have. I mean, I think book writing is about finding a question that's interesting to you and then yes, writing a story about it. Yes, and yes, it makes sense. Um, I thought that's fascinating. It's a heartbreaking and awful story, but also I say this a lot and it's weird, but like also a gift to like, be able to go through that and find your way through it, because that's a thing that can leave a mark that like untouched can affect you in profound ways that you don't oh, know. Yeah, and it sounds definitely. like at least being aware of it and knowing it is like, yes, giving yes. you some healing and peace in that. Yes. So, definitely. Not all. So. Not all. No, I mean, yeah. there, there are scars there that will never, but they're not open festering wounds anymore. They yeah. have, have and, and that's time and distance and perspective and. Um, yeah. yeah. And work. And work. Whatever, whatever that work is like, it's yes. your body's doing it, whether you know that's it right. or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so I was like this, what's the weirdest, coolest like person you've ever met? Like, what's that story? <laughs> Everybody's got some like, oh shit. So I, 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 so I thought what I would tell you is that was, one of the coolest people I've met, I I know this is going to sound cheesy, but it's my husband, Rob. The story of, of how we met to counterbalance the darkness from Tom's death. So a friend of mine in on the 21st of January, 1999, comes to my house to install the internet. So, so this is dial-up modem. Remember that lovely noise? Oh, yeah. And you could either be on the phone or on the internet. You had you had to choose. My kids would die with having to do that. You couldn't you couldn't have both. And only one person could be online. If you had two computers, you were out of luck. So he installs the internet and he says, "There's a program called ICQ, a chat room. I can install it for you." And I said what's the chat room? Because I had no idea because this was 1999. Yeah. And he installed it and he said, it's for sad bastards like you who don't go out on the weekend. And you can talk to people. Although It was a Thursday. It wasn't even the weekend. Thank you very much. Um, so he installs it. And just picture this. There are no, picture this. There are no photographs on ICQ at this point. It's yeah. DOS-based. There are no photographs. It's just little icons. There's a little flower that taps its foot when you do it. You, you yeah. remember the, the, the I whole... mean, I was online in 1984. I was on Quantum Link when oh, I was like Lord. 13 years old. So when ICQ came out, I was like, oh, God, this is great. Whoa. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. Serving ICQ is great. That's right. <laughs> so I'm doing these random searches because you could search different categories. And I searched the 20 to 30s and this 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 um, profile pops up again. It's just a little window, a little, little DOS window. And it says 28 year old Canadian living life to the fullest because you never know when it's going to end. And his nickname was Razor. So me being me being, you know, stupid and punny. I wrote, Hey, Razor, direct message. Hey, Razor, you sound pretty sharp and sent it off to him. You did not. I, I, 
absolutely did. Yes, sir. Yes, I did. And he was chatting with a friend of his, with his best friend out in um, at East, uh, West. And he went to, he, he thought, who's that? I don't know who that is. And he went to X me. Bastard. He almost X me, but he hit the minimize instead. So when he finished the conversation about 20 minutes later with his friend, my window with my hey raiser, you sound pretty sharp, lame message comes up and he replied. And we, I booked my ticket to fly to Canada about a week later, 10 weeks out. We met on April 9th, 99. Before I got there, he booked his ticket back to Switzerland to stay for a month. And a week after arriving in Switzerland, he called his boss and he called his parents and he said, sell my stuff. I'm not coming home. I quit. I'm staying in Switzerland. We're getting married. And we married uh, in June. We married five months after meeting online, 10 weeks after meeting face to face. I was not pregnant. And um, that's important to say. Yeah. And, um, and it'll be 23 years on the 21st of June. That's amazing. It was. That's it is amazing. another one of those things where I think that this time with filled with happiness, this is not something I compartmentalize. When I think about how that happened and how random it was, yeah. how completely random. But I'll tell you what, Brad, I, when we were talking, we'd already talked about you know, getting married and having kids. And he'd already said, you know, what, I'm happy to be a stay at home dad if we ever have kids and whatnot. We'd gone through all of that. I mean, we went from zero to 60 in about three weeks online. It was yeah. ridiculous. I have never, ever, not before and not after in my life, been so sure of anything mm -hmm. ever. That's great. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, this may, you may have actually answered the next, the last question, which is what's your favorite story? Like, what's your favorite story that you tell? Because that was well, a pretty good one. <laughs> that's, that's a fun one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like that one. Um, there's another one that I thought of, actually, which is kind of, kind of cute, which is related to my maiden name. So my maiden name is Abplanalp, which is a very Swiss name. So it's, I know, I'm going to have to say it again all the time. It's Abplanalp. So it's A-B-P-L-A-N-A-L-P. So Abplanalp. Yeah. And nobody can spell it. <laughs> In Switzerland, only the, the, the area of Interlaken, because it's very, very local, um, a very local name, but the BP, the ABP, completely throws people, completely yeah. throws people. Yeah. So the story is our family emblem is actually a crib. And Planalp is actually a little hamlet on a mountain, which is called the Brienzerotorn, the Red Horn of Brienz. Um, and there's a steam train that goes up that my grandfather was a controller on that goes up all the way to the top of this of this mountain. And our family emblem is a crib because there was a landslide, allegedly, folklore says there was a landslide, sometimes it's an avalanche, take your pick, that basically wiped out some of Planalp, you know, two houses and five sheep or whatever. And after this landslide, a crib was found in the lake of Brians with a baby in it, a bit like Moses, but not. And so, <laughs> and so. Is that the family motto? So you have the crest and then the motto, a bit like Moses, but not. <laughs> but not. Yeah. And so legend has it <laughs> that somebody found the, the, the baby in this crib um, floating in the lake. And they said, oh, where could this child have come from? 
Oh, it must be from Planalp, which is up Planalp, from Planalp. So that's why we call um, up Planalp, but nobody can spell it. So when you know the story, you can spell it. It makes complete sense. And there's actually quite a few of uh, the up Planalps in the States. That's crazy. That, I love family history. That stuff is always Isn't that cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, this is this was supposed to be a 40 minute conversation. We have we have talked on and off for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. uh, I just I love the shit out of you. Um, I'm enjoying this. You know, I don't read the books before I interview folks, but like I couldn't wait. Um, uh, never coming home. I'm only I got uh, halfway through it. It's amazing. Everybody should get it. Um, I'm a little annoyed that you have two more books in the works and another one planned like <laughs> you were you write so fast it's ridiculous yes it's true one of them is a rom-com you know so really? don't judge me yeah 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 so i have a next year i have a thriller coming out you know a typical hannah mary mckinnon thriller <laughs> in the in the spring a twisted story about an anger management therapy exercise gone wrong i can relate is, to that one <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a fun one i hope and then um, I have a holiday rom-com, a Christmas rom-com coming out probably in October under the pseudonym Holly Cassidy, um, a fun, a fun project that I'm doing. And nobody dies, which was really odd. That's but great. fun. I don't believe you, but I'll, I'll read it and see. <laughs> uh, you know, I swear. I I've written it already. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> nobody dies. Uh, well, I, I also like rom-coms. You know, I don't judge books. Like I, oh. I like reading all kind of books. Like uh, you know, yes. stories yes. are stories to me. Yeah, stories are stories, and it's sweet and light, and and nobody well, that's dies. Good sometimes. Yes, and happy, <laughs> and with a happy ending. I promise, there's a happy okay. ending. Okay, I'm gonna call yes. you if it's not. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, this is our first show, so you were uh, you were guinea pig, and uh, you were fantastic because you're oh. fantastic. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. I always love our conversations. Always brilliant. You're brilliant. And you know that. So. Thank you. Well, you have a good day. You too. Thank All you. Right. Well, there you have it. That was our first after party. I think that was a wild success. That was Hannah Mary McKinnon. Her book, Never Coming Home, is fantastic. Should go buy it right now. Before we get out of here, a couple of reminders. Tell everybody you know about the Downtown Riders Jam podcast and all that we do on this channel. And leave us a review either over at Apple Podcasts or at the Facebook page, The Riders Jam. While you're at it, don't forget to check out everything else that we're doing here on the Solid Listen Podcast Network. 12 programs. You can sign up on Apple. Uh, you can listen to any of the shows anywhere. And don't forget our flagship Mother May I Sleep With podcast with our host and solid listen podcast queen, Molly McAleer, who is quite literally the hardest working person in podcasting. Don't forget the after party and jam session, the two new programs that we have on this channel. They'll be out on like Fridays and Mondays. Uh, the jam comes out every Wednesday and the surest way not to miss anything, get subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. 
Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.